Thanks for joining us at Summit Church. No matter where you are at on life's journey, you are welcome here. We are excited to share God's word with you through this week's message. Well, the man and the woman, they had been married for 30 years and they were having little marriage problems, or at least she said they were. She said, we got to go get some marriage counseling. He goes, okay, whatever. So she drug him into this marriage counselor and they sat down. As soon as they sat down, she began for the next 30 minutes to let that counselor know all the wrong things this man's doing. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He doesn't tell me he loves me. He doesn't tell he cares for me. He doesn't buy me gifts. He doesn't take me anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and she goes, I don't feel loved. I don't feel cared for. I don't feel uh, affection, all these things. And he's just sitting there listening. Finally, after 30 minutes, the counselor stood up, walked around his desk, grabbed the lady, picked her up, and gave her the deepest hug for about a minute, just hugged her. The man just sat there, did nothing. Then he put her cheeks in his hands, and he gave her a very passionate kiss. Her eyes got that big around. She fainted all into the seat. He stepped back around behind the desk into his seat. He sat down. He looked at the man who was just sitting there quietly. He said, sir, this woman needs that three times a week. And he said, well, I can bring her Mondays and Wednesdays, but Friday I'm fishing. <laughs> can someone say clueless? Can someone just say, he doesn't have a clue? Oh, my. Well, how many people here have been on a roller coaster before in your life? Raise your hand. Been on a roller coaster? How many, how many people um, will never go on a roller coaster again? Raise your hand. <laughs> uh, roller coasters are an interesting type of entertainment. I go by that one up there uh, just down the road, and I see these people, and uh, they're going, I click, 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 straight up. It's amazing, you know? And I'm saying to myself, um, I probably know what you're thinking right about now. You know, you're probably thinking, who in the world talked me into getting on this thing to begin with? Why did I listen to them? And they're probably saying prayers, something like, God, if you get me off of this thing alive, I promise, I'll, I'll, I'll not throw my socks on the bathroom floor anymore. You know, I'll, I'll be kind to my brother. You know, I'll give everybody $5 that I see. I mean, you're just making, you're asking God for forgiveness for things you've never even done. You know what I'm talking about? You're just, you're praying so fast. and then. It's all over at that point. You're just holding on for dear life. And finally, when that thing comes to a rest, that bar opens up, and you're just sitting there for a second. Your blood pressure's up through the roof. Your heart's beating so fast. You're like, what just happens? You know what I'm saying? Your hair looks like a fright, you know? You've lost your sunglasses. Your wallet's gone. Your clothes are upheavaled. Bugs in your teeth. You know what I'm saying? It's just a mess. And then you turn to your friend, and the first thing you go is, Let's do it again. <laughs> you're insane. That's what you're saying. You're just insane. Oh, roller coasters, ups and downs and turns and flips and all sorts of things, kind of like life. My, my mother, um, she was um, here first service, second service, and uh, I told a story on her. My family had gone to an amusement park, and uh, this particular amusement park was, was advertising this new roller coaster. They had just built, and so um, so we said, "Yeah, let's go on it." And Mom's like, "Yeah, 
let's go. So we all climbed uh, into this roller coaster. Well, she couldn't climb in because uh, the line closed, and so we went first, and she had to go uh, on the, the next one. And, and so um, we went on the ride and got done, and what a ride that was. And, and uh, so they had an observation deck, so we were able to get off and then watch her, watch her, and, and watch her take off because this wasn't a typical roller coaster. You say click, 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 and you know, and then it lets you down. This was one of those roller coasters. I think it's called something like the slingshot, basically, where you start off and like shot out of a cannon from like zero to 5,000 miles an hour in 0.2 <laughs> seconds, you know. Got this big, huge cushion on the back of your head. So when you when it shoots your head back like this, your, your head don't snap. And, and so my mom has no clue what's about to happen. We've, we've already lived through this. Our heart almost stopped when it took off. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm like very curious to see what my mother's reaction. Of course, you know, my mother, very easygoing, laughing. Everybody's a friend. And so she's sitting in this roller coaster next to somebody she doesn't know. And she's asking him, where are you from? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's and I can hear her laughing. Ah, uh, and she doesn't see the clock because it's like a red, then it's yellow, and then it's green. And when it hits green, that it just goes like that. It just no warning, just like that. And so she's not even looking at the little stoplight little thing. And she's like, ah, ha, 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 and it's red, ah, yellow, ah, ah, ah. It just, it just, her head went back like that, and for about the next two minutes, you could hear a one-breath scream. I didn't know a person could scream for two minutes, but she did. Crazy, crazy. But life has these moments, doesn't it? Where it's like, um, you know, you're just laughing and real cutting up, and all oh, life is good, you know, let's party, let's have a joke, let's tell, and then all of a sudden, ah! You know what I'm talking about? And what is this? What just happened? It's a, life can be filled with all sorts of moments, all sorts of situations. And then a few weeks ago, we did a series called The Flavor of Favor. And we talked about how God wants to favor in our lives and bless us in so many circumstances. And, and I wanted to kind of come back uh, on the tail end of that and kind of do like a let's balance it out. Because if you're not careful, you'll think that, well, all, everything's always going to be good and is good and uh, it has to be good. And, and, and that's not always the case. Um, there's many types of moments in life. Life is full of ups and it's full of downs. It's full of twists. It's full of turns. It's full of things that you didn't expect, full of things that you did expect. And, and, uh, and so you have to learn how to kind of navigate in life. Uh, went deep sea fishing with some guys here recently and Long ago, and, and, and the seas were like three to four feet uh, out this, which is, you know, that's a good, that's a good wave. And, uh, but it's, once, it's, it's one thing to have just one wave, but it's another thing for it just to do that, you know, every, every, you know, the whole time out, you know, 20 miles out and 20 miles. And so you're going back and forth and up and down and like this. And, and so it takes a toll. You have to learn how to be balanced or guess what? You're going to, you're going to be jumping or flipping or, or bouncing all over that little boat. And so God wants us at the same time to be able to experience a multiple um, array of moments in our life and to be able to walk through them in the way that Jesus wants us to walk, always through victory, in victory, on top, 
not to be sideswapped, not to lose our salvation or to drop out of our walk with the Lord because we had a downtime, even though it was just an uptime time while ago, or to, to be able to go and cope with the bad as well as the good, or the twists as well as the turns, or the bad as well as the easy, or the ends as well as the outs. And so God wants us to, to walk through life, come on, through life in victory. And so I want to talk to you a few minutes this morning about bittersweet moments. And we'll, we're not going to get through all of this, but just start this little series off, a little mini-series, Bittersweet Moments. And I want to talk to us out of the book of Exodus chapter 15. Let me give you a little background on the story of Exodus 15 prior to this little text that we're about to read. The Israelites have been in captivity or bondage for 420 years under the Egyptian um, kingdom through Pharaoh. And that started off well 420 years ago. They were in the land of Goshen, a very fertile area of Egypt, and they were uh, very wealthy. They had become very prosperous. And uh, But over time, uh, their culture began to change, and they went from being the most prosperous people in the country to being now the slaves or the workforce and only the workforce in Egypt. And so their life was very barbaric, very hard, very difficult, very challenging. They lived many a day without hope or dreams or visions or anything to ever get better. This went on for centuries until the gunslinger Moses walks into Pharaoh's court and begins to tell him that he's there on a mission with a mandate from God, a word from the Lord. And Pharaoh's supposed to let these people go, let the Hebrews go, and they're going to be their own nation. And he, of course, wouldn't have nothing to do with that. And so through the 10 different plagues that God allowed to come upon Egypt, Finally, Pharaoh was convinced, let the people go. So Pharaoh took the people, along with a lot of the wealth of Egypt, out of Egypt. Not the easy route. God did not let them go the easy route. God shows up in a pillar of fire, shows up in the cloud. They begin to follow God. Three days journey now into basically um, a boxed-in trap. you got the mountains on each side. you got the Red Sea in front. Pharaoh saw where they were going, saw that it was his opportunity, and realized, three days, what did I do? I just let go of my entire workforce. Who's going to serve me cookies and milk at nighttime? You know, what, we're, I have no more labor. And so he says, we're going after him. We're going we're gonna to bring him back. And so they're chasing him down, and that's the point where Moses, you know, stretches his staff over the Red Sea, and it separates it parts. And so this is where the story picks up. Let's just go ahead and read it here, Exodus 15, verse 19, when Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen went into the sea because they were following them, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. I'm thankful for dry ground when everything else is a miry swamp. And Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. She began to sing to them a song. Now, in the olden days when we had church, we didn't have beautiful music like we have today is the way we experienced it. We had hymns, and then we moved from hymns to writing our own uh, songs. And what we did, we used the Bible as our hymn book, and uh, we quoted, literally, we would make songs up uh, verse by verse or word by word out of the verse, like Psalms 100, uh, um, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. 
I will intercourse with praise. And, I will, and that, was, that was the song we sang. It was just straight out of Scripture, and uh, that's the songs we learned. Uh, they weren't very pretty, but they were Scripture. And then one of the songs I remember growing up learning was this song that Miriam actually is singing. And uh, someone uh, smart enough to say, well, I'll take, that, I'll take that little phrase and let's make a song out of that. And so they were really kind of corny songs. I look back at them now, but we sang them anyway. And I remember singing this one. Um, I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider thrown into the sea. Boom, boom, boom. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumphed. The Lord, my God, my drink. My... All that was scripture. And we sang it all. I, I memorized scripture by singing songs at church. It was crazy. I mean, it was good, it was, but, but that's the song. Um, corny, but it was good. So she begins to sing this song. Hopefully it was a lot better than what we sang. And she says this, Sing to the Lord, for he's highly exalted. Both horse and driver has hurled into the sea. And then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. And when they came to the place, they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. And that's why the place is called Marah. We'll stop right there. We'll pick up the rest of that probably next week. But I want to give you life's bittersweet moments. Let's talk about the various myriad of moments that we experience in life and maybe what they're really all about and what, what's the purpose of it to begin with. We'll probably only get to three today. But here we go. Life's seven bittersweet moments. Number one, life is a party. At times, life is a big, big party. Aren't you? Don't you like parties? I mean, it's, we. I remember growing up and... It would be the talk of the table. The guys would be at the table on Thursdays or Fridays and going, hey, where's the party at this weekend? Who's got the party? Where's the party at? People in our small town, they would literally drive up and down Main Street and asking, stopping their friends, where's the party at tonight? How many love a good party? Not that kind of party, but they love a good party. Come on. How many love a harvest party? How many are even here right now? I mean, you <laughs> So I love a good party. Don't you love a good party? I love those party times of life. I love when I, I know that all my bills are paid and I got a little extra cash and maybe in my wallet. I, the car's running okay. My health is good. The kids are good. My wife's good. Come on. The neighbors are good. <laughs> I mean, and there's like vacation coming up. The job, the, on my job, the boss likes me. There's a promotion in my future. I got a little vacation plan in a few days, a few weeks. Me, I'm going to maybe go hunting, going to go to a game, or my, my maybe ladies, you're going to go shopping, go somewhere, and you're excited about that, getting with the ladies and having a good time. You like to have a little party. We all are made that way. We all love good times, good times. We write songs about good times. We make movies about good times, party times. Can I just say, there's nothing like a party, especially a Holy Ghost party. There's nothing like a, in fact, I think there was a song years ago, nothing like a Holy Ghost party. And, and that's true. There's, a, there's a good things about a good God-given party. And here we see in this passage of Scripture, the Israelites, get to ha they haven't had a party for 400 years. They haven't had a chance to celebrate for four centuries. They have been down on their luck. They've been, they've been beaten and crucified and, and, and held in captivity for 400 years. And finally, when they came through the Red Sea and they saw the Lord swallow up their enemy as they had chased them into the Red Sea, and the Lord just literally in one fell swoop vanquished their enemy for the history of the world, 
I mean, how many know that's a party to be had right there? That's a, that's a, there's a reason to celebrate. And they begin to celebrate how good God was. There they are, they're bounty hunters. The ones that are seeking them out to destroy them are now gone. From, they're floating to the top of the water. They're kind of floating to the edge. And perhaps they even knew some of them. Perhaps they knew some of the soldiers or the commanders because that one there had beaten my father. And that one there had... Um, my brother from the house, and that one there had killed my mother, and that one, and perhaps they knew the, the names of these different Egyptians that had been now drowned and now sle- uh, um, washed up to the shore, and, and they're, they're looking at this, and they can't believe with their own eyes that this bondage that they had been under for 400 years was now over. No one would ever whip their back again. No one would ever curse them again. No one would ever call them a dog again. They now had respect and dignity. And for the first time in their life, uh, they realized this is a whole new ball game. Life has just taken a turn, and it's time to what? It's time to party. Come on, get the timbrel. Let's write a song, and let's have a dance. Can I tell you, there's nothing like a Holy Ghost party. And you you can party when you realize that you know what? Since I gave my heart to Jesus, my enemy has been drowned. They've been washed up to the seashore. I I can tell you that my addictions now have been broken, that my lifelong habits uh, have been thrown to the sea. I can tell you that my bad friends are gone and my toxic relationships uh, have been eliminated eliminated. my negative mindsets uh, are now being changed uh, and condemnation from my past is gone. My mistakes are gone. My regrets are gone. Can I sing a little jig and tell you it's time to party in the house? I love those times when we can party. We're seeing people now, as you've been watching social media and news, you know what I'm talking about, but there are some very significant people in the mainstream that are very popular, they're very well known, uh, who, are, who are coming to this revelation that there's nothing like Jesus Christ. I mean, they're taking, these are people that everyone else wants to be like, and now they're writing Christian gospel albums, and they're telling people about Jesus, and, and, and I'm hearing interviews, and they're like, listen, and these are, the, these are like the number one most popular people in America, and they're saying, look, I've had the power, I've had the prestige, I've had the places, I've had everything life could have, give you, and I'm here to tell you, I, I heard it with my mouth, I'm here to tell you that there's nothing like a relationship with Jesus, that's the real party, come on. I'm excited. Go God. Go God. <laughs> so the Red Sea is kind of like, a, if you would, a, a water baptism. It's as if they had come out of captivity and come through. the. And it really is. It's a typology, an imagery of what water baptism is. It's Water baptism is when God gives you a new life. It's when that old man is gone and the new man comes to life and you have now purpose and there's a transformation starting to take place in your life where where that old nature that you were born with is now stripped away and you're no longer bound to that Adam nature, but now you have a second Adam that's coming to your life called Jesus Christ and now that nature writes his laws upon your heart and you obey him out of your spirit, out of your desire to follow him. That is called water baptism. That's called deliverance through the Red Sea. That's called the reason to smile. I love when we have water baptisms. We get down there by the Gulf and we baptize and they come out and they're like, 
this is so awesome, so amazing, so life-changing. Well, that's, that's a party when you know the enemy has been defeated. I love those seasons, those sweet seasons of life. And then we have another season. In fact, this season happens 72 hours after the party. I mean, it's amazing how fast you can go from party to despair. In 72 hours, verse 22, Moses leads Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the desert of Shur. For three, three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. It's a hard season. Life is hard, number two. God brings them to this desert called Shur. Can I say, there is a desert in your future called Shur. I'm sure there's a desert in your future. The word Shur in Hebrew is, the definition literally is a wall. It's an obstacle, if you would, that you are stopped now dead in your tracks as a result of. You were going one direction as fast as you could, and then suddenly, boom, a wall, a desert. A desert of Shur, I was playing baseball, uh, football at the age of nine in the backyard with a friend of mine. And uh, he said, JP, go long. And so I said, all right. So I'm running in the backyard, going as fast as I could, looking back for the pass. And I don't know who did it and when it happened, but someone had stuck a, a clothesline metal pole right there in front of me. And going full speed ahead, looking backwards, I... I hit this pole, and on those um, cartoons, you see where the coyote kind of hits something and just kind of <laughs> slithers down, and then falls over backwards. That was me. I, I literally think I had a concussion at the age of nine. I mean, my friend came over, and, and there was like six of him. You know, I'm like, there's six of you. <laughs> it was... It was being stopped in my tracks. It was a desert. Sure, this is what I'm talking about. This is a, an experience that, that we come into, and it doesn't take us very long for God to get us there. It's funny to me, not funny, but it's interesting to me that Jesus, when he came out of the waters of baptism, the Holy Spirit basically grabbed him by the hand and said, you ready? Now that you know you're the Son of God, now that you know God, the Father is pleased with you, are you ready? Jesus like, yes, I'm ready, Holy Spirit. Come on, let's do it. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, leads him into the wilderness. What kind of friend is that? That's a good friend. Because Jesus, now that he heard that he was the Son of God, had to begin to walk out the fact that he was the Son of God. And you walk out the fact that you are the Son of God, not in the nice oasis of comfort, but many times in the pain of a wilderness. That's where you begin to realize that, hey, there's something inside of me that I didn't know was there before. And you start to walk in what I call resurrection power. And it's manifested or made clear in the hard, tight moments or seasons of your life. Don't curse the wilderness. 
complain about the wilderness because, sweetheart, that is the point where God is going to test you and out of that testing is going to become a manifestation and an elevation of the spiritual um, uh, life of God and Christ inside of you. I, you know, when you, when you look at people like um, going into um, the military and things like that, it's funny that like you signed to be a Marine and, you know, you think you, they should be happy that you've joined to be a Marine. You, you would think that they should be just pleased and they should, you know, do kind things to you because you've decided to lay down your life to be a Marine. But, but instead of handing you a, a, a glass of lemonade when you get off the bus and giving you a remote control and a lazy boy and a comfortable water bed to enjoy in your nice little, you know, barracks, no, no, they greet you and they're yelling at you as you get off the bus calling you names and calling your mama's names and calling your mama's mama's names up in your face, up in your grill, yelling at you, veins poking out, and, and, and you're like, what just happened? I don't want this anymore. Too bad. You're a Marine. You're going to be a Marine. You're not one now, but you're going to be. Why? What's going on? They're trying to bring us to this point. They're trying to bring you to the point where you're at a breaking point. Breaking points are necessary in order for you to go to a new point. And God brings us quickly, many times, in, out of a season of party and a honeymoon. I, I think sometimes we do a, a young Christian a disservice when we don't tell them that there is a wilderness in their future. Oh, you ought to come to Jesus because he is so good and so awesome. He's always going to take care of you. He's going to be your God. He's going to be your friend. He's going to take, he's bless you. He's going to have, you're going to have favor. You're going to have all these wonderful blessings, blah, blah, blah. And, and yes, 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 yes. But we forget to tell them that there's also a wilderness. Yes, yes, there is, yes, there is a good things that happen when you come to Christ. But, but now that is, has to be, it's a rites of passage. It's, it's got to be proven in your heart where you know that you know that he is my Savior. And I will not turn to anybody but him. It's a wilderness. That's what tests us, what proves us. Also in the wilderness, not only... Is it a proving time? Is it a hard time? Guess what? In that whole process, still in the number two, you're very thirsty, aren't you? I mean, you're looking for some, something to quench you. You're, you're feeling dehydrated. You're starting to hallucinate a little bit. You're like, I don't know how much further I can make this. I don't know if, it's, if I'm going to make it through this. I don't know if I'm going to last. What, what's the deal here? And guess what? Here's what the wilderness does. Here's what hardships do. Here, do. Here's what tough times do. Psalm 63, 1, oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is what? No water. See, when you don't have substance, you look to see where you're going to get it. And when you realize that there is nothing around you but, but, but him, you will seek him out. He's all you got left. John 7, 37, Jesus said, he stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him go down to the pub and get him a drink. Right? Are y'all reading this? So every one of you these should be, no, that's not, everybody say, no, that's not what it says. It was a test and you've all flunked. Everyone flunked. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is what God's trying to do here. He brings them quickly to this revelation that 
Hello, I'm all you got. I'm it. There's nothing else. Just me. Which brings us to our third point, our last point. This life is filled with these moments, these bittersweet moments, where life seems to be confusing. Seems to be confusing. Exodus 15, 23, when they came to Mara, they could not drink its water because it was very bitter. That's what Mara means, bitter. In other words, there's water, but they can't drink it. There's an answer. The answer isn't the right answer. There's a solution, but the solution isn't going to work. And this season in our life, this moment teaches us that what quenched my thirst before I came to Jesus will never quench me again if I leave Jesus. Uh, Let me me say that again. I'm going to say the same thing one more time, best I can. What this moment teaches us, that what quenched my thirst before I came to Jesus will never quench my thirst again if I ever leave Jesus. What used to bring you happiness, if you walk away from Christ, once you come through the Red Sea, once you come through your water baptism salvation experience and come to know Jesus, what you come to understand is what used to bring you happiness will no longer satisfy you if you ever walk away from that. In other words, how can you go back into Egypt again after experiencing a deliverance to begin with? Things taste bitter from this point on. If you try to go back to 2 Peter 2, 21, he says to us, it's better to have never even known God or Christ than to have known him and to walk away from him. It'd be like, you know, you, you, you experience the greatest thing you could ever experience and then you walk away from the greatest thing you could ever experience and expect what you thought was the greatest thing ever until that point to satisfy. It's not going to satisfy. It's bitter Bitter, bitter waters. I was working construction in this one season of my life, and they had this new guy just kind of um, join the, the crew. So I got to spend some time. I was just talking with him and on lunch breaks and stuff. And uh, he seemed like really kind of, really kind of down. His name was Scott. I said, Scott, you know, what's, tell me your story, man. What's, where are you from? What's going on? And, of course, I shared with him a little bit about my story and my love for the Lord and Jesus. And he goes, you know, I used to be a Christian. I used to be a strong, strong Christian. I carried my Bible to school. I told people about Jesus. I was at church all the time. I, I just loved, loved the Lord. I said, man, that's awesome. He go, I, I said, well, can you continue on? He goes, you know, but I got a little older. And I just kind of started walking away, I guess, a little bit. I, you know, just kind of made some friendships that probably wasn't the best for me and just kind of start drifting off until until basically my relationship with Jesus was non-existent. And he said, that brings me to where I'm at now. He says, prior to me just getting this job, here's my mindset. My mindset was I was, tr- I was sitting around trying to figure out how I could commit a crime that would not kill somebody it would be bad enough to get me put in the state penitentiary so at least I could have a roof over my head, a meal in my belly, and I wouldn't hurt nobody. 
I couldn't believe it. I said, so, so, so you're telling me you've known Jesus, you walked away from Jesus, and now your only solution is to commit a crime to be put in the penitentiary? He goes, yeah. See, that's, that's what happens when you're at Mara, which you're this bitter water experience. You, you realize that what you used to think was water was good, was going to quench you, doesn't quench you anymore. It doesn't work anymore. You, you, you can't walk with Christ, get to know Christ, and then think you're going to walk away from Christ and everything's going to be as it was. Everything changes. It's the bait and switch, and you just took the bait. My first mission trip I ever took, I, I went down and to a third world country, and I lived with the people in a jungle, in a thatched roof, with a dirt floor, and pigs running through the room, sleeping on a wooden bed, chickens underneath my bed fighting during the night, crazy stuff. Didn't understand the language of the people in the house. I was all by myself. It was just me uh, in this, trying to do my best in this little situation. And I'm hearing that noises at night that I'd never heard. I grew up on a farm. I'm used to whippoorwill and rain crows, and I meow the cat from time to time, uh, or maybe coyote, but never what I was hearing out there in those jungles. It was scary. But more than that was just the poverty that I was exposed to and the extreme lack that was there. I was talking with someone yesterday, and they said to me um, in some research that they had done that if you're an American and you have uh, no debt and at least 60000 of fluid equity uh, in, in about you or with, uh, in your life, then you are amongst the world's top 1% of wealthiest people in the world. If you just have $60,000 of liquid assets in America, 1%. And that's what I experienced on this, this little mission trip. I experienced this is why all of you need to go on a mission trip. In fact, we're offering one May 30th to June 6th. We're going to Guatemala. We're taking 15 people. So sign up if you're interested at the Connect Center. We don't even have applications, but just tell them you want to go. <laughs> and uh, we'll take you down. Everybody needs to experience this. I, we're not taking you to the jungle. I promise I won't take you to the jungle like I just experienced, but I, you are going to see some things that will um, alter. So what happens is I came back, and I was different. In fact, I, in fact, when I came back, I was so different that I'll never be the same again. I saw 99% of the world in a whole nother perspective. I was seeing it through a 1% perspective, and now I got to see the world as the world really is. It changed my mind. It changed my mind. Can I have a worship team come as we get ready to close? Mara means bitter. What's bitter? It's sharp, cruel, severe, piercing, painful. And I think what God is allowing us to do from time to time. He brings us to these, these moments where he doesn't allow us anymore to receive the numbness that the things that we used to numb our pain with before work. It doesn't work anymore. 
used to numb your pain with this and that and this and that and him and her place here or go do that and this substance or that drug and once you come to Christ you're ruined there's only one place to find sweet water it's in Jesus although the bitter, although the water is bitter hmm Maybe there's some people here this morning and you've tasted the bitter water and you've tried, you've actually known the Lord. You tried to go back or you walked away and you found what I've said to be true. It just doesn't work. It's not the same. Something has changed. Something's different. Well, what's different is you've, you've met the real purpose of life. That's what's different. Nothing will ever be the same. Never will. And maybe you're here this morning and you've experienced that and it's starting to dawn on you. You know, I, I really only have one option and that is Jesus. And a daily walk with the Lord. That's my only option I really have. That's the only option we all have. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? without calling anybody out or not embarrassing anybody, but just want to pray with you. You would say, Pastor JP, today that's me. I've, uh, I've been that one who's walked away. I found myself in bitter waters. But today I want to bring my life right back to Jesus. I can't live this way anymore. I want to live this way. If that's you, raise your hand. Just right where you're at. Yes, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You can put your hands down. Mm. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray a prayer. I call it a salvation prayer. It's just basically a, a recommitment or a commitment of my life to Jesus. And so I just like you to repeat this little prayer after me and let it be from your heart. Let it come from deep in your soul. Let it be a let it be real. Let it be honest. Let it be true. Would you pray this? Would you say, in fact, all of us, can we just pray this together? Lord Jesus. The water is bitter. And I ask you to forgive me for not running after you. Come into my heart. Come into my spirit. And revive me again. Thank you for forgiving me and hearing a humble prayer. Fill me with your spirit. And lead me. Help me make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just give Jesus some praise for that prayer that was made today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
prayed that prayer, I'd love for, really re- appreciate it. if you would write down your name on the back of that little connect card, turn it into that giving box and just say, man, I gave my heart to Jesus today. It would mean a lot. We have our prayer teams coming up. I'd like for everyone to stand, if you would, to this morning as we get ready to dismiss. You're such a great, great people. We honor you so much. Thank you for all that you are and all you're doing. We have a prayer team here, and they'd love to pray with you about anything that you need prayer about, even if it's concerning somebody else that you know, someone in need. They want to pray with you. We have the harvest party tonight at 5. It's going to be a lot of fun. But as we dismiss in prayer, I want us just to become a people that, that stays faithful and steady in all seasons of life. That's important. So kind of, when we do something, would you mind, can we just like maybe put your hand on someone's shoulder or hold their hand, whatever you want to do. It's, it's kind of like we're all family kind of thing, you know, like we're huddling up, like huddling up right here. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Let me just say a word of prayer with you this morning. We'll dismiss. Father God, we thank you for life, and we thank you that you give us everything we need in every moment of life. We know that life ups and downs and twists and turns and and good and bad and all in between. And, And Father, we know that in you, Lord God, we have life, and you, we have hope. And so, Father, we thank you today that we can leave here with a confidence that you're with us, and you're for us, and you're leading us. And in you, Lord God, we never quench. Our thirst is never, our thirst is always satisfied. We thank you for that. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can we give God some praise this morning, church, for his goodness, his greatness in our life? We love you, Lord. We praise you. In Jesus' name, you're good. You're great. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to visit us online at summitchurch.tv or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at summitchurch.tv.